0: Hello and welcome to episode two of Dutiful Future. I have my first ever and a very special guest with oh. me, Oliver Barsby. Please introduce yourself.
1: Hi. So, um, yeah, I'm Ollie, and I'm actually really privileged to be Hugh's first guest <laughs> on the show. So, yeah, um, mm. I study Pace here at Warwick, and I'm also part of the Board Games team. Fantastic. And that is
0: exactly why you're here, Ollie. Yeah. Obviously, for no other reason. Um, Ollie is the deputy editor <laughs> for the Board Games. Please check them out. They have some great articles, including mine. Yes, they were very good I yep. understood them uh, <laughs> oh really okay, anyway, um, so today me and Ollie are going to be exploring and talking about something that's very near and dear to both of our hearts, oh yeah, the video game industry <laughs> for all you gamer girls and gamer gamer boys out there i wouldn 't say gamer guys that's that's everyone 's expecting that yeah um so we have a we have a, a pretty good plan for today we 're going to be talking about the future of the gaming industry in all its different forms, the potential uh well, the Uh, culmination of the um, console war and the potential for a final battle, Um, changes to the nature of buying games, selling games online or in-store, and then also near the end of this, we're going to have a a more fun uh, segment. We're just going to discuss our top five games of all time, and I'm sure we will thoroughly enjoy that. I'm I'm
1: really looking forward to hearing Hughes. I don't know them all yet.
0: (laughs) I'm I'm sure there's going to be some controversial um, things on both sides here, and I'm very excited. So why don't we kick this (gasps) straight off and discuss... Um, the future of the gaming industry, specifically about the console wars. Uh, how would you have, to have a quick breakdown of that for me, Oli?
1: So basically, we're getting to the end of the next console generation. So the PS Four is kind of dying down. So is the Xbox One. So we're starting to announce the new ones. So we've got the PS Five has been announced, and the strangely named Xbox Series X. Mm. They're the two main contenders of the next one. Um, in terms of who's doing better, it's hard to say at the moment. PS Five hasn't really done much yet. Xbox. Xbox kind of, they're kind of looking a bit bad. Uh, there was recently, I think it was last week, they announced that they're not doing any exclusive games from their new sort of uh, companies they acquired. They're not doing any new ones for up to a year. They're mm-hmm. like not going to be exclusive. So it's kind of not as much mm. of an incentive to buy one as there is maybe a PS5, which could have some really yeah. good exclusives on mm.
0: There have been strong rumors that um, PlayStation specifically are... Um planning a very strong launch in numerous mm. different forms, or at least that a lot of their exclusives, which are meant to be coming out near the end of the PS4's life cycle, will also be very compatible, if not even better performing on a PlayStation 5.
1: Well, yeah, um, I think it's widely confirmed that both the Xbox and the PlayStation 5 are gonna have backwards compatibility, mm-hmm. at least with the PS4. I think some of them were actually, some rumors on some websites were saying like, even further back PS3, mm. Xbox yeah, 360. Yeah. I don't know whether that's true. Mm. We'll have to wait and see
0: yeah on the backwards compatibility thing that i was um in my research for this i found i was trying to find the key areas of contention uh for why someone would choose to buy each one mm-hmm. um because i think uh unlike certain other like tech products or things there's more brand loyalty uh oh yeah i know a lot of people who they switch from oh, i had a playstation 2 when i was 10 but then i got an xbox then i had a playstation again and it, that sort of thing it can come down to very small
1: factors people take it Really seriously, mm. the choice between the PlayStation and mm. Xbox. I mean, don't even you've not even brought in PC gamers, exactly Nintendo Switch. Yeah, so there's so many different. Tools.
0: It, and so one of these things would certainly be backwards compatibility. Yeah, that's something I think Xbox has done quite well. Is if a lot of people have large libraries of say Xbox 360 games, most of them could be played on a new console. Yeah,
1: um, I think the Xbox 360. So I think if you downloaded games on the 360, they mm-hmm. essentially all, if not well, maybe all of them transferred over to the mm-hmm. xbox one so when i had my yeah, xbox yeah. one these 360 games just turned up in my library and it was great because i mean i didn't have to buy dark souls course, once yeah. again on mm-hmm. the xbox one yeah for me it was uh, south park the um,
0: the first one Good game. um that's uh, so the thing i think one thing that was quite a recent um uh announcement was that xbox are going to try and expand their backwards compatibility yeah. as far back as the xbox the original one and really try and make it um even more encompassing than they previously have. Because there is nothing more disappointing, especially for me, at least because I was, I was a little Xbox One boy. Yeah. S- so, I'm Scrolling
1: through my thing, being like, oh, I have this on Xbox 360, oh, please, please, please. And well, then... yeah. Um, one thing is, so you buy a new console. Mm-hmm. If you've just got the games for that console, it might be about one or two at launch. You buy a console for £500, you get one, two games. You spent £600, yeah. you got two games. You play them, what are you going to do with exactly. the console for a yeah. while? Backwards mm. compatibility, just... Yeah, I think it's definitely the mm. way forwards. In
0: the I, it's definitely a smart idea, but especially since, as you said earlier, with the Xbox um, and their potential limitations for exclusives in the early mm. years, it would make a big difference to have a massive library of games you can play yeah. in previous years, and even having them for very cheap on an on- online store, for example, as I think they've done, they've aimed to do in certain areas, can be quite effective.
1: Yeah, um, I think as well for the Xbox, they have the Game Pass, which is kind of a good mm, thing, which they sort of pushing, so that, mm. hopefully that'll probably transfer over to the Xbox Series X yeah. and it'll ha- it's an easy way just to have more mm. games on it. I know that lots of people on the Xbox kind of brag mm. about the Game Pass compared to mm. the PlayStation, I can't remember, is it PS Now it's called or something? I think so, yeah. It's not as good. No one nowhere near mm. as good as the Xbox one. Yeah, see I, I,
0: I had to scroll through the Games Pass because, you know, they, they shoved it down my throat every single day oh, yeah. every time I turned it on. And there wasn't really anything... I, I, I saw it and I thought, there are some good games here, but there's nothing that's really, like, screaming for me, like, oh, I have to get this yeah. for a monthly subscription. Yeah. And I think it's an interesting it's... concept, and perhaps that could play some role in the future.
1: Yeah, definitely. I think, for me, I'm still... I love my physical games. Mm. I usually, if I can, try and buy them physically because mm. they look good on my shelf, number one. Mm. and resale value if you sell your console or you're better up with a game or you don't even like the game, just take it yeah, back, yeah, yeah. go refund it, uh, mm. or you can just take it to, like, Game, mm. anything like that. And I just think that's such a good thing to do.
0: Yeah, that that um, forwards into a very important issue, which is um, mm. the recent headline saying that Game is yeah. going to be closing around 40 stores in the uh, in the UK. Uh, primarily citing the issues of selling physical games and the um, competitiveness of online markets.
1: Um, what do you? How do you think this would really change the gaming industry as a whole? See, it's a tough one, that because game. I love game. When you are a kid, you always go into game. You yes. look around the shop. You get a game, which you probably didn't want, to be honest. <laughs> but uh, so when I go in game now, most of the stuff they have in there isn't games. They have a lot of them, but that's not what most of the stuff people buy. They have like merchandise related to it pop vinyls, all mm. that sort of stuff. Um, and it's just not selling well. Mm. You don't go into game now yeah. to buy a game, mm. which is the key thing because yeah. it's, in its, it's in its name. Yeah. I actually went in the other day and I, I um, remember
0: actually thinking exactly that yeah. that half of the store, if not more than half of the store, was just um, things, you know, cases for your Nintendo yeah. Switch or like... You know, memorabilia things, and I was I was confused because the Nintendo Switch section, for example, was was absolutely tiny. Yeah, they are. And it's if you, you know, if you're looking for a game that isn't a Mario game, you're never going to find it. Yeah. Um, which is a real shame because, it, as you exactly said, that that perhaps it isn't the changing of the market. It is just that
1: lack of convenience or that lack of an attempt to be a well, video game store. You think if people want to buy a video game, they could now it's so easy just to go online, go mm. on Amazon, buy it there, and it'll just get delivered to your house, or just. Go on your console and download it. Very true. Sure, it takes a few hours, but it's just much more convenient. Mm. Going, Walking down the street, or for me, when I was a kid, it was 30 minutes to the nearest game store, driving all the way there, picking up a game, coming back. It was just hassle. Mm. And I think game, it's it's a tough one for them because it's like Blockbuster, DVD stores, they don't really have such a good thing now. HMV as well. It's quite hard to sell physical things an increasingly digitized market i think
0: do you not think that um or would you view this digitization as you put it um would represent a you know a loss of an event you know as you described the 30-minute yeah. drive you got it in, you're hanging on the car on the back it oh, is exciting it is yeah. exciting to go um could, you think that could possibly be lost as sort of even a more um for example you know, the the ancient history of the midnight launch
1: yeah that's, that's, that's sort of you know that's um, what, yeah, community well, communitarian aspect to gaming Definitely, because, yeah, watching a streamer count down until the mm. 12 o'clock midnight launch, is, it's not as fun as if you were actually mm. at there with fans just like you, just as excited. So I've never actually been to a midnight launch. It's, it's
0: Once again, ancient once again, history, yeah. unfortunately.
1: Um, I'd want to, but they don't do them much anymore mm. because big games, people who are that passionate will just download it at, yeah. straight away at midnight. The second you can. Yeah. Um, but I think the community feel of game, definitely that'll be one thing which people will miss mm-hmm. because I know people who have gone into game stores and they do go there to talk to other people mm. and without that, it's just people will just be spending more and more time online mm-hmm. and more and more disconnected from the people and it does actually serve as quite a good hub. One thing which game is doing which is, I think could work to their advantage is some of the big ones have sort of stores, not stores, um, sort of play areas upstairs where they can like host events and like um, esports tournaments and I think that is probably the future for mm. them I think. It's a big thing, um, obviously, being a massive fan of Smash Ultimate,
0: cues for later. Um, no foreshadowing. Um, that's a big thing with things like uh, more like games workshops or those sort of places yeah. where a lot of locals are held there. And that sort of, for example, you know, one of the only high street stores, a very interesting fact, actually, is like one of the only high street stores that are actually increasing in numbers or increasing profits are game workshop stores. Oh, yeah. Because nice. they built up that community as a concept. Yeah. You know, That is the place where not only you go to play, for example, Warhammer, but it is a place for... The, this sort of community around games and the sort to really build. And maybe yeah. that is a way that they can choose to survive.
1: Well, if you look at what happens in the Asian market, so China, Japan, Korea, most of them, the par- the primary way they play games is in sort of gaming cafes. They have big gaming cafes with tons of consoles and computers and they all go there. You pay a bit and you can spend hours playing the game there. And that, I think, yeah, you have a community mm-hmm. feel there. You can just talk to people about games hang out, just socialise with other people away from the screen, which I think quite a lot of people who play games sometimes mm. don't do as much as they should. Yeah. And I think we in this country are definitely a danger of missing out on that. Mm. I think a lot of the time when people sort of use the stereotype of, you know,
0: the, the, yeah. guys, the basement dweller, hmm. um, it's forgotten the sort of the social aspect of the games. And that is yeah. what gaming always was and it's what it always should be, at least in my opinion. Um, every multiplayer game I play, much in, I enjoy far better playing with a friend
1: in my room oh, library, yeah. ever online. Yeah, playing with friends is one of the best things about video games, and it's criminally underlooked by people mm-hmm. who don't understand video games, the social aspects of it. So when you were younger, you would hop on Xbox, hop on, for me, it was Overwatch. Oh, I love that. Yeah, <laughs> three or four hours a night with your friends. It was just a good way mm. to sort of hang out, especially when you, if you yeah. were like me, you lived in an area where your friends were so scattered around different villages. It was kind of a good place to sort of all get together and all still keep in contact without having to meet in one certain place. Mm.
0: So we've gone over the the, um, the social aspect of how this could affect mm-hmm. um, the game industry, but how would you think, specifically in terms of the um, decreasing of um, physical stores and increasing of online stores, how else do you think that could affect um, the, game, the game consumers as a specific market?
1: Um, the consumers, I think they'll probably have to... Um, well, they'll just be buying more games off Amazon. Mm-hmm. They'll be buying more digitally. And I think it will be a shame if physical copies yeah. are done away with. Because like I said, I still enjoy mm-hmm. collecting them. Um, honestly, I can't say too many people still buy their games primarily at game. I think one thing which might be affected is the sort of pre-owned consumer sort of products. Yeah, because that's, true. that's one thing which game has and it does very well. Mm-hmm. That you can go in, you can buy like two games to 20 quid, which are yeah. pre-owned. So, and CX, I
0: guess. Yeah, yeah,
1: that's the thing. CX, I don't know how well they're doing, but they seem to be doing quite well. Yeah. And there's a good one here. Um, and I always go to that one. And mm. it's just, when game closes, or if game, if closes, game closes, if <laughs> game closes. Um, oh my. I'd have inside An epic prediction by Oliver Barsky yeah. there. If game closes, I think people will start to miss out on those mm. pre-owned games. Of course, of course. Or they might just switch over more to eBay because mm. you can buy pre-owned games on there mm. already. It's a bit more risky because yeah. you never know what you're going to get. Mm. Um I think consumers will feel maybe a bit of a sentimental mm. about game yeah. if it closes. Perhaps it could be a
0: similar sort of revival uh, a few years down the line, similar to like vinyl, where maybe. People, people like that sort of classic aesthetic yeah, holding yeah. the disc in their I hand. mean, there's
1: still nostalgia in the gaming yeah, world yeah, anyway. I mean, you look at people now with like the Nintendo 64, mm. even the GameCube and the Game Boy, it's sort of getting back to nostalgia. nostalgic retro. I still have it. People like collecting those mm. sort of big
2: bulky physical cartridges Mm.
1: this sort of debate around
0: um digital versus you know physical copies Mm. um came to i would say its best or its greatest peak around the time of when xbox announced they were planning a totally digital xbox one that wouldn't take discs and the main defenders of this were basically two things one um some people who are saying this is a terrible thing it should never have existed and the two main arguments were well this can lead to um decreased prices essentially for um for for gamers, I don't like the word gamers, but you know, no, for us yeah. gamers. Um for the consumers, because you know, is a very expensive hobby, as we all know. I mean, if you're if you're if you're a triple A kind of person, you only want to triple A games, that's that's 60 pounds pretty much every single time. Um and perhaps you know digital some generally it can be a bit cheaper, which can really help. Um as well as and then the second part was basically um if people want to only have online, of course they can only have online um and i would say but i think it's great to point out the as you mentioned um the second hand section mm-hmm. that could be a really big loss if it becomes purely digital and i think that is quite a um an unfortunate you know snowball effect of increased digitization is that it could lose that sort of return value
1: yeah definitely mm. and especially when you look at digital they're not actually cheaper than physical games really? which is the main thing for me why i don't buy my games digitally so if you want to buy a triple a game on amazon you might be getting it at 45 50 quid when it's digital it's always going to be at least over 50 pounds really sometimes 60 and i think it's probably because people they can they know that people mm-hmm. will pay that extra yeah to get it straight away and the convenience because as, as, as well with discs you have to take it out put it in get your new one out put that one in when it's just digital you can just switch from game like that very quickly um so yeah i think if they could they won't get me until they put the prices down that's that's what i'm trying <laughs> to say
0: that's very reasonable that's very reasonable yeah. um very interesting so now we've gone through the digital aspect of this how about we take another jump into another key aspect of mm-hmm. the potential console wars and one of these would certainly be vr which has been a strange fawn in the side. I mean, for the last 10 years or so, uh, I would say at least once a year, there's this is the new one, this is it. It's going to be VR. No one's ever going to hold a controller again. Um, What role do you think VR will play in the next generation of consoles?
1: VR is a strange one. It's been around, like you said, for a while. And it's just this sort of mythical thing, which everyone's (laughs) like, it's going to happen. We're all going to start playing games this way. We're going to live in the Matrix. I don't know... Whether that will happen in the next generation for sure, because mm-hmm. it's just too expensive is the main thing. The Oculus Rift, that's I think that's what it's called, mm. the PlayStation yeah, yeah. One, they're like hundreds of pounds. And if you've, you have to, if you have a console which you have to use it to, it's just more and more money. And the lack of the games on them, especially, means I can't justify spending money on that. If companies commit to properly putting out games, so I know that um, there's a new Half Life one coming out. Yeah, I think that could definitely Mm. see the um, prices of Mm. VR fall because people will start buying Mm. it and then it'll become more uh, in the sort of Mm. mainstream.
0: Yeah, Half-Life has, the new Half-Life has been touted as the potential, as has always happened, the
1: potential for this revolution
0: because in part of the trailer, I believe, there was some sort of thing where they basically uh, claim they managed to develop a new form of hardware and essentially made it much more fluid much easier and potentially more accessible and i think i would always i've always sort of described um vr as uh the video game journalists hardware (laughs) it's it's great to have it's great for a youtube video but for an actual consumer as you said it's way too much money and i think the best point
1: is a lot of the games on it are very gimmicky yes um so the main one which everybody who has vr plays is beat saber it's have you so, seen the one? With the the, the music one, yeah, the yeah, music yeah, one, yeah. which is a bit like, it yeah, it's a bit like Guitar Hero but with sticks. Yeah, yeah. It looks really fun. I definitely want to play it. Um, but yeah, there's not enough games with mm-hmm. like a serious, substantial story or serious yeah. gameplay. And I think one thing as well which sort of puts people off VR is it's quite hard to watch VR and get excited for it because when you're watching a game, someone play a game, you're like, oh, I'll be excited to play this, just like you're watching it. You can't experience VR by watching it on a YouTube Mm. video because it's about putting on those goggles, being immersed in it. Mm. And it's so hard to do that by watching someone Mm. else do it. Mm. You have to experience it yourself. So I've played with it a few times. And yeah, every time I've been like, this is amazing. But you take it off. A few days later, you look back at someone playing VR and you're like, it doesn't look as good as when I did it. And I think that's a key thing which people need to sort of figure out how to get Mm. past. So... Whether that's through more v r demos, which I think will definitely work, so like well in game stores, if they're still around, mm-hmm. um they used to have like consoles, yeah, I think of course. having v r in there would definitely be mm-hmm. a way that's to quite interesting it. because i
0: would i would I would definitely agree that there is a barrier to v r as yeah. a concept because it looks a bit silly, it sounds a bit silly. And I've tried it once, mm-hmm. and I was doing... But it wasn't actually more of a game. It was, like, one of those things meant to spook you, where you're in the sea, oh, okay. and there's, like, a shark and stuff, and, like, fish around you. And I remember thinking, this looks great. But then, as you said, looking at something else and going, eh. Yeah. It doesn't actually look very impressive. Yeah. or And I think for someone who hasn't experienced it at all... Um, or at least for it to become a viable you know, console, it has to get through to people who aren't massive fans of the game, who just play games more casually. Yeah. You know, I would say that if if people more similar to us who are much more diehard fans aren't that interested in doing it, there's no way that some random no. person's gonna go, oh, I'm gonna ask my you know my my mom for a for a VR headset
1: for Christmas. Yeah. There's no happen. there's no need, I think, for the mainstream consumer to actually buy VR. There's nothing which will appeal to mm. them and they'll be go, okay, I want that, yet. I think Half-Life will definitely get so yeah. many more people in because it's essentially the Half-Life 3, which is yeah. the fabled game. It's the, mm. mystical, the game mystical game. The mystical game. Everyone Gabe human has finally yeah. shone his light down upon us. And lots of people are disappointed that it's coming to VR because they can't play it. Mm. Just like how everyone's always disappointed when certain games are made exclusive. Of course. But it's just a natural way that well i guess that vr can progress by people will buy it to play half-life whether half-life flops or not because if it's a bad game i can see it crushing vr mm. which i am concerned about whether it'll be a good or bad game because steam have kind of gone a bit downhill in terms of their game production yeah. recently so yeah a, lot, we'll of, like, a lot of the
0: creators of the original half-lifes have left or they're going to have yeah. projects and that could pose to be a bit tricky yeah definitely mm. okay that was a great first segment i am now going to play a song uh and this is going to be one of my favorite songs or at least uh, on the uh, on the list this is tired the creators best oh, no. interest again <laughs> of course again excuse me uh thank you very much uh enjoy and we are back thank you very much ollie did you enjoy the song i did thank, thank you did. if you'd said if you'd said no you would have left oh. That's the best song on this list. Yeah. I'm a very well. big Tyler The Creator fan. I'm currently reading my notes from my Tyler The Creator notebook. Thanks, Mum. <laughs> okay. Continuing our discussion, um, elements f- that might decide the next console war in the future of the gaming industry. Um, so we went over VR, and we went over um, some backwards compatibility factors, uh, and the next question I have prepared here is, how much crossplay do you think there will be between the next major consoles? How... compatible you think they would be because I would ask this specifically because normally you would assume barely none Mm. but um, there was a very recent um, agreement essentially between Microsoft and Sony specifically due to attempting to basically shut down um, Google and their attempts to hone on the uh, the gaming market specifically by um, teaming up and using similar software Um, with the head of Sony describing Microsoft as one of their key allies uh, in this uh, in the game industry, do you think this, this sort of agreement will foster a new bright age where, you know, PlayStation
1: and Xbox players can finally put down their swords and play together? Hopefully, hopefully, because that is a thing for most people. They'll think, well, wh- what console are my friends going to get? What can I play? Who can I play with? With crossplay, it doesn't really matter. Um, but I think crossplay will come to most games, definitely my next generation. If not, Due to Sony and Xbox, due to the actual publishers themselves, so like Call of Duty now is crossplay. Fortnite, one of the biggest games of last decade, essentially have crossplay, and it sort of is, well. Rocket League was the first one to do it, and it's all done in-house. They have their own servers which do it, rather than relying on the Xbox servers mm-hmm. and the PlayStation yeah. servers. I think um, And it'll definitely, I think, is a key sort of issue for people now wanting to play with their friends, and I think that. Yeah, Sony and Xbox will definitely work together because if you look what Xbox and Microsoft are doing with Nintendo, they're working on crossplay with them. I mean, they are giving them characters for Super Smash Bros. I'm (laughs) sure we'll see some Nintendo things Mm. on Xbox at some point, maybe. Um, I think, yeah, it's Mm. a real good point you raise about uh, trying to stop Google taking over Mm. because they are trying to get into the market with Stadia. (laughs) Trying. (laughs) Trying. So hard. And failing so far, I'd say. Um, Very much so. Yeah, um, but I would say, I think it's, I think it would be a smart
0: idea to introduce cross play because it would, um, uh, as, cause as for me always, it was a, it was a key factor in which one I chose, but by introducing cross play, you could say that it makes it more agreeable. It's, it gets rid of that decision. So all it would take for, uh, say a group of eight people to go, to go from an Xbox or a PlayStation to Google, Google Stadia mm. would just be, Oh, I might get that. And somebody yeah. goes, oh, well, God, we have to do it to play to each other. And by getting rid of that, you could really squeeze that market because what is their point? What would be their purpose, yeah. in a sense? Um, it could certainly be an interesting factor, but then obviously there's the issue of it's been such a, determin- a determinant for so long, which one your friends are. Do you think we could lose some form of um, even more brand loyalty in terms of if there was cross-play?
1: Maybe, yeah, there'll be less brand loyalty, but I think it's kind of a good thing, though, because mm. if there's... If people aren't buying consoles because their friends are buying consoles, then it means that consoles have to improve to try and sell themselves so there's an, if Xbox I think definitely relied on lots of people buying the three sixty buying who also then went and bought the Xbox one because all their friends did, this doesn't happen anymore, and it in the future with crossplay it won't happen, so Xbox will have to step up their game in mm. terms of whether it'll be lowering the price, improving the specs, or adding more exclusive games. Mm. We're going to see a lot more competition for people's money.
0: I remember having a conversation with my friends actually about this, and they, um, we were talking about why isn't there crossplay in certain Ooh. games? I think it was specifically Minecraft for some reason. There is, um, there is now. Yeah, exactly, a... exactly. Um, but we were talking about this, and we essentially, I, I, I basically said, well, let's be honest. In this, in it, if you have crossplay, it means that the best console wins. Yeah. it, it, it almost restricts that duality where for, for for whatever reason whether it be loyalty or your friends whichever console is the better one will win out and that is something which i think in um the xbox 360 time playstation wouldn't have done very well in yeah and then in the xbox
1: one time playstation would have done much yeah. better in it is strange that um xbox is the one leading the way for mm, um I thing because you think they have lost this console generation the ps4 is superior to the Xbox One in terms of games, yeah. in terms of hardware, and just the way it's marketed as well. They've lost this generation. So you'd think that they would be reluctant to put in cross-play, because it won't actually help them out. But they've actually been the ones pioneering it, mm. which is, yeah. I wanna say impressive, <laughs> but obviously there are probably ulterior of motives course. for which I don't understand, mm. nor do I intend to yeah. understand.
0: Yeah. I was very surprised to mm. hear that. Perhaps it could be, a, a sign of confidence from each camp that they think their next generation is really going to be yeah, the one. Or hopefully. I would say that, this is totally speculative, but I would imagine that a Google... Um, is it Stadia or Stadia? I think it, it could be either. Stadia, I think, is what it is. Let's go with Stadia. Yeah. Um, like Google Stadia would be more wedging on the Western market, possibly, which the Xbox, I think, is more dominant in generally. Yeah. Uh, I think because Sony and PlayStation tend to, do, tend to have a better like yeah. solid home base. I don't base. think
1: many people in... Japan buy Xboxes. It's mainly yeah. PlayStation, mm. PC, or yeah. Nintendo. So
0: perhaps this was that they were the ones to pioneer by saying, "Okay, we're the main. You know, we are the ones who are yeah. mainly concerned about this," um, and Sony merely agreed. Which overall, from a consumer perspective, pretty good. Pretty good. I'm, pr- I'm very happy with that. There's, oh, yeah. there's pretty much no downsides for us. No. Um,
1: so you know, once again, the beauty of competition. Yeah, that's some uh, neoliberalism for you I know it's a tasty neoliberalism. It's a a political show as well, isn't it? (laughs) I keep my neoliberalism specifically to the gaming industry. Yes. (laughs) The only thing I care about. (laughs) Um,
0: Okay, another um, key thing beyond um, the potential for crossplay is there was a fantastic article talking about one of the main things that kept Xbox alive in this generation, Mm -hmm. as we talked about its it's, um, inferior hardware and sort of things like that, was that its compatibility with certain streaming services. It had very strong relations with things like Spotify, Netflix, and loads of others. So, how do you think these sort of relationships could pan out if, say, one console has Apple Music one console would have Spotify? Or even, for example, with newer streaming services like Disney+, Plus, if they picked a camp, do you think that would make a big difference?
1: Honestly, no. Because when the Xbox One and the PS4 were announced, the main difference was how they were announced and what was shown off the ps4 showed off the games showed off the hardware showed off amazing things aimed at it's that quote line isn't it for the players xbox came in showed you can be watching football on our thing you can facetime your friend you can play music trying to sort of yeah show it as a multimedia entertainment system not just a gaming system and it works for some people but i think for the core base of people who will buy that console day one they they were put off they were like well. What games have you got? Mm. I can watch that on my TV. Yeah. I can watch it on my smart TV, on my laptop, on my stuff. Mm. I don't need another box, which yeah, will yeah. just have your streaming services. But I think if they didn't have Netflix, um, BBC iPlayer, Spotify, YouTube, then, yeah, that would the absence of that would definitely, definitely crush them. But nowadays, I think most of them do. I mean, apart from the Switch, I think all of them have sort of mm-hmm. some sort of compatibility with yeah. it. Yeah.
0: And I think... Um, <laughs> I think if someone had come to me before I owned any technology, I didn't mm. own a phone, I didn't own a TV, I didn't own anything, and they said, right, here, you know, you, you, all right, here's what you're getting. You're getting a list of stuff. Here's your gaming console. Do you want this one that does most of the things or this one which is better for games? Yeah. I think if you had nothing else, you'd be like, oh, that's great. I can, I don't have to buy a TV, I don't have to buy well, like, you know, a, a Skybox yeah. or whatever, and that would be a good idea. But as you pointed out rightly, people have these things. You can do these things on your phone, yeah. which is more convenient and generally easier. And fundamentally, it's it's un, it's quite you know simple to understand that in the gaming industry, fans care about the games.
1: Yeah, people don't need another box sitting there mm-hmm. to watch Netflix. Yeah, they have it on every single device yeah. in their house, and I think the Xbox have learned this now because they're trying to push themselves more as a games brand, and I think that's probably what they'll mm-hmm. do with the Xbox Series X. I think both consoles will definitely lean on the hardware side in this one because I think the. Properly trying to push the compatibility with 4K, for example, the increased for uh increased frame rates, higher quality graphics. I think they're definitely gonna be leaned on more of this generation rather than look at us, we have mm-hmm. Netflix.
0: You could say that in the last generation launch, um what Xbox tried to do was appeal to the to the casual consumer.
1: Definitely. I mean, that is we're sitting here now as people who are very into games, mm. we're not the core consumer. Mm. There is a large bunch of people who will have an Xbox and will mainly use it to watch Netflix, play FIFA, and play Call of Duty. And that is a massive brand, a massive type of people, sorry. Mm. And it's quite hard for me to sit here and understand that. (laughs) But then I think I used to fall into sort of that camp when I was younger. Fortnite. But yeah, there's a big (laughs) group of people who will use it just for those things. Mm. And perhaps the misstep
0: was specifically trying to cater to these people maybe maybe th- those um, those goals or those sort of aims of what you want from your console are quite easy to satisfy and you don't need to sell it to them. Yeah. Um, Whilst things like frame rates and performance and games,
1: that is a hard sell. That is something you have to actually sell to people. Yeah. Casual gamers will get their information from games journalists, from their friends with more knowledge mm-hmm. on the stuff. That's who you have to appeal to who will then like tell the casual people, well, this is good, this is bad, yeah. here's why. If you don't appeal to the people who know more of the stuff about it, you're not gonna win over anyone, I don't think, which is what the PS4 did well. They marketed themselves as a good console with lots of games, whereas the Xbox didn't do as much, I don't think.
0: Very interesting, yeah. So do you think that um, this direct hardware competition, could could this potentially be, as uh, an article described at the end of the console war, where since they are both focusing on something very similar, they're both going hardware focused, if it is clear that one is better than the other, do you think this could finally be the the wave or at least the tipping point?
1: I don't think one of them is going to die out like a Sega Genesis sort of mm. style. Um, but I think if P- if the PS5 wins this console generation, wins I can use, like, not properly, um, it will be quite hard for the Xbox to recover because the Xbox 360 was much better than the PS3 in terms of successfulness. Then it was the PS4 was more successful, I think two in a row, Xbox will have to make some serious changes um, to what they do. I mean, they might even... They are trying to do it now where they have more compatibility with PC, so we've got... It's on a Microsoft game store sort of things. But I think, to be honest, they'll be fine. It's a a billion dollar company. Yeah,
0: yeah. Uh, Yeah, I don't think anyone's going to be dying out very soon. I don't think Bill Gates will be uh, (laughs) on the streets anytime soon. Oh, well. (laughs) Um, You never know. You do know. Um... And final question for this segment. Um, how do you think the Nintendo Switch has
1: impacted oh, the landscape? My favorite console.
0: It's, it's portability, and also it's pretty, like, frankly, very amazing performance. The fact it that is. it can run, uh, you know, one of the largest games in recent times, The Witcher 3. Oh, great game. In a handheld console. How,
1: how is this going to change? The Nintendo Switch is probably my favorite console of all time. When it got announced, I watched it. The video... Essentially, five minutes after it came out, I was like, this is going to change how Nintendo was viewed. It, it, if you look at the Wii U's history, yeah, how it was marketed, how it was put out, how it f- failed. It's simply just what it was. Just just in general. I mean, no one really knew what it was, to be yeah. honest, at the start. Everyone just thought it was a tablet for the Wii. Yeah. Um, it was marketed more seriously than the Wii U as an actual console, not just for kids, mainly. like The advert featured mm-hmm. grown-ups, grown adults, playing games, mm. doing normal things and playing games and i think that is stuck and resonated with a core audience who have sort of used that and like okay this is a serious console and yeah the portability is amazing i've wanted a portable console which can play those games for ages so for me i think is when i had my xbox one i'd be playing some fallout 4 and i'm like oh i'm going to bed but i still want to be keep playing but console downstairs mm-hmm. Uh, they tried to do it through like you can sort of stream it live to your laptop. Yeah, or I've heard about that. PC. Yeah. It did not work. It was, <laughs> it was very laggy and mm. it would have made playing any game awful. The fact that the Switch is literally mm. dock it, undock it. Yeah. It's just amazing. I, I mean, for me, um, so I, I didn't get
0: it when it first came out. I had an Xbox. First day.
1: Oh, really? Oh, I was wow. there.
0: First day. Amazing.
1: Skip See... school. <laughs> <laughs> Skip school. Wrath yeah. of the Wild
0: oh no regrets so i was quite late to the switch because i obviously had an xbox at the time i didn't really think about Mm. it and then when i saw the new smash was coming out i hadn't played smash in years even though you know i love i love smash brothers brawl when i was a kid and i thought oh i'm gonna get this eventually and i didn't really think about it for a long time i saw things i was like oh that looks really good that's great i avoided the content because i knew (laughs) if i saw it i'd I'd cry uh and it was when they announced the new pokemon Sword, Sword and, shield, and shield. That I said to myself, right, I am getting one, and I got one after last year's exams, the day yeah. of my last exam. <laughs> you treated yourself. Oh, I did, and it was oh, it was incredible. Oh, best my. purchase you've ever oh, made. Oh, it was the best thing ever. Um, and I think, do you think that potentially not in the in this gen in the next one the newer generation because it's too soon really yeah. to have a major impact. But do you think this sort of compatibility, but you know this this um ease ease of use, but also um Uh, this sort of actually strong functioning hardware Mm. will be something which Xbox and um, the PlayStation
1: attempt to try and uh, push. Um, I don't know if because the PS4 and Xbox are very different to the Switch in terms of what they market themselves as. Mm -hmm. So the Switch is sort of more of a fun console I'd say (laughs) compared to the PS4 and the uh, Xbox, which are focused on running these high-quality graphical games. So, yeah, The Witcher 3 is on the Switch, but it doesn't play as well, unfortunately, as if you're oh, on okay. PS4. Not many games which are on the PS4 do perform as well on the Switch, but that's not what I have my Switch for. And I yeah. think lots of people don't have the Switch to play games they can get on the PS4. They play it for the Nintendo exclusives. Of course. Especially the mm. Nintendo exclusives. And I don't think that PlayStation and Microsoft are that concerned with the Switch eating into mm. their market as yeah. much because it is definitely a very different type mm. of consumer who will play Nintendo games. There is overlap but I think lots of people will have both mm-hmm. because of the exclusivity of Nintendo games. Mm. If Nintendo games came out on the um, PlayStation or the Xbox, I don't think this, the any ah, Nintendo consoles would do yeah. as well, which mm. when the Wii U came out, everyone thought it was going to go that way because the Wii U flopped hard yeah. and people were like, okay, is it time for nintendo to turn just into a publisher just into a developer and i'm glad they didn't because they stuck with the switch and mm. the joy cons made the some really they were so creative in I'm what sure. they did and i hope the switch stays around for a long time i mm. think it will
0: yeah
1: they'll probably power a pro version next year mm. makes sense uh i probably won't get it because i've got mine already <laughs> unless course. they unless it's incredible yeah feeling million things minor i guess it's i think it will be sort of the, the new ds sort of ah, okay. so they had the ds the dsi yeah yeah 3ds, 3DS. Sort of, that sort of thing because mm. it like, makes sense yeah
0: fantastic yeah. okay we're going to go to another break now i'm going to be playing another song this song is uh bombay bicycle club i can hardly speak enjoy And we are back for our final segment. Potentially the most exciting, most spiciest of all of Duty I'm excited for some beef. It should be some very beefy, spicy times. We are going to be going over... uh, I said top five, but we're a bit low on time. So we'll be going over our top three games of all time with a potential for an honorable mention if we happen to align in some form. Uh, And I think the format is going to be, I'll say my third, Ollie will say his third, and we'll kind of have a bit of, you know, what do we think about them, whether we both like them, or we think one's considered yeah. better than the other, or simply saying, how is that on your list? I'm very angry, re. Um, so I'm going to start with mine. Uh, so I think I'll say what it is, brief explanation, and why I love it so much, yeah. and then I'll pass it over to you. My third game of all time, oh, also, this is including franchises as well, it's not specific games, you can just say a franchise. Uh, my third favorite of all time is the Batman Arkham series. An absolute classic for people's favorite games. It's very standard. People love yeah. it so much. Batman Arkham, is so, Batman Arkham Asylum. Amazing, creepy, revolutionized uh, video game combat in its, in its um, systems. Batman Arkham City, I would say, is one of the best games of all time. I think it's up there. In its, in its open world being lively, it's exciting story, and it's, just, and it's once again amazing formed combat. And then also the other games which are fun but not incredible. Mainly the first two.
1: What would you say? What's yeah, your first? Um, I, unfortunately, have a bad taste about Batman Arkham uh, series because, because I got into it. The <laughs> first one I ever played was Arkham Origins. Oh. And it just ruined it for I me. I quite liked Arkham it Origins. It ruined it for me because it, it was that bad. It was shocking. What? The way it played, the the, the gameplay, the storyline, it just didn't work for me. And then I went back and I played through bits of yeah. uh, the other ones mm. with my friends. And it looks so much better. Yeah. But it's just a bad taste in my mouth from, uh, yeah, from you, the others. You start eating your dinner, but you had your vegetables first. What it's, are you doing, Ollie? It's like if people watched the new Star Wars first. Yeah. People, they'd go... They have a bad taste yeah, in their mouth. Yeah, like, yeah. Well, it what gets, is this? Yeah, it gets kind of ruined. Um, and then we go back and watch the other ones. About like, well... Mm. These ones aren't they, very good. I so. I liked Arkham World. Okay. Okay. Yeah. It was all right. It was, it was, it was okay. Right. It was all right. Not worthy of being in the best series. No, no. Series. As I said, the first yeah. two mainly, but I like the whole thing. What have you got for me, Ollie? I'm ready to, I'm ready to re- in i re-in your face. I mean, I can't say anything because I know that so many people will Go on, destroy on me I for saying that. I already have a guess. Third is Death Stranding, the new Woo! Hideo Kojima game. Boy! <laughs> Lots of people have very strong opinions on this game. I'm one of them mm. who says it is amazing. <laughs> it's not just a walking simulator, which is Really, what think. really? It's... Mm. <laughs> and I know it sounds stupid. It is about connecting people. Oh. And that sounds so oh, about dumb people, when I say it out it? loud. Like, connecting but people for being connecting an Amazon people. delivery driver. The story is <laughs> insanely complex, and mm. it will make you question everything you think you know about reality. That's how That's deep bold. it is. That's it's bold. very deep. It's very bold. Mm. I actually enjoyed the gameplay... Okay. Taking, having to traverse this big terrain. It's really, it's a big open world. I like that. Lots of terrain, lots of different uh, areas. Having to actually traverse it Mm -hmm. with all this luggage on your back was actually really fun for me for some reason. (laughs) I don't know why. Just the satisfaction of getting from one place to the other. (laughs) It sounds so dumb. (laughs) But it is a really good game. Oh, what has Kojima done to you? Ollie? What, is what Ko- has he done? Thing is, I've only played a few <laughs> uh, past Hideo Kojima games. I'm not one of those. Of course, you're not a Stan. You're I'm a Stan. not. No, I'm not a Stan. I
0: just got one question on you. Why? Why have you come to one of the best universities in the country?
1: Yeah. Why have you come here to yes. you know enrich your mind, everything, just
0: to become a postman? Oh. Just, to, just to live <laughs> just your dream out as becoming a
1: postman. It's. That is what most of the game is about, delivering things. (laughs) But it's not as easy as a postman's job, clearly. Of course. course. There is enemies around, BTs about, which are very scary, by the way. I don't like horror games. But BTs are pretty, pretty scary the first few times. Okay. There's just so much which you can't explain about why you like it, which is why it's so hard yeah. for people to understand. Just like VR, mm. you have to experience yeah, it. why I'd say. That makes sense. Um, lots of people will disagree, and that's fine. It's not a game for everyone. I no. will understand that if you don't like gameplay like that, which is a bit slower, a bit more thought thoughtful in terms of you're not really in action for so long. <laughs> if you're not like
0: a smart person, I have not to play like that fun at all. No, no, no.
1: <laughs> just like if you're meaning. one of these people who likes high. <laughs> Like fast paced okay. action games, yeah. which I do as well sometimes mm-hmm. you're not gonna like it as much. For yeah. me, just accepting the atmosphere, you know, okay. just
0: taking it's not it all a COD style shooter. It's more of an immersive, you know yeah, slow paced world building. Yeah, lots experience. of
1: world building. Mm-hmm. Um also the last thing I'll say in it the best looking game in really? ter- in terms of actual mm. visual quality yeah. compared to the real world. Okay. Best looking game, the uh way that they've like used, uh, I can't remember his name now, Norman Reedus. Is, it, yeah. He looks identical mm. to how he does in real From life. From what I've seen, he looks amazing. Every, everything in, in the game looks insane. Okay, very interesting. Uh, yes, yeah, that's, so that's, really that's, that's my... All oh, my, my other two what's on your, is... Uh, what's, your, what's your number two? Is it Postman 22? Simulator oh. 2012? 2012? Oh dear. Um, no
0: number two. Uh, I think I think I have a feeling this is going to be one that we will very much agree. on. Yeah, I think we're the same one. Don't Mine we? is mine's Pokemon in general. Yeah. What's your yours? Is yours Mine Pokemon? is also okay. the Pokemon. Which franchise. ones? We'll go, I'll I'll say my I'll just say my favorite one. Then I'll put my honorable mention in yeah. who I would have probably as third or uh, sorry as fourth or fifth. Uh, my favorite Pokemon game is Leaf Green. Okay. That's the one I played the most. Uh, Bulbasaur boy, love Ooh. him. Yeah. And then anyway, so my actual one I'm going to talk about is the Stanley Parable. Oh, okay. A slightly fun that's, and exciting choice. left field. It's a very left field choice. The Stanley Parable, if you haven't heard of it, is amazing. It is, it's, it's kind of basically a walking simulator yeah, well. it is. And, and it an, is.
1: An, just narrated whilst you yeah, walk around, Yeah, so the concept, the
0: concept is you, you're, you're called Stanley, you wake up in a room as a narrator, and the narrator just says something like, um, Stanley wakes up at his desk, and he tells you to do something. So mm. he'll say, Stanley walks out and knocks on the door to his left. You can choose to follow the narrator, or you can ignore it. And each one of your decisions uh, branches out to different endings. There's like something like 50 endings, and it's amazing. It's hilarious, and I it's a game which playing it for the first time, I enjoyed so much. I it was I I never laughed more at a game. The, sometimes it was genuinely creepy. Sometimes it was actually yeah. quite sad, and I got genuinely upset at one of the endings. And it, it really I don't know what it was. It was just incredible
1: and I loved it so much. When I first played the Stanley Parable, I didn't get it.
3: Like yeah. I was younger.
1: I got it when I was put thirteen, maybe. Oh. But I I be played why. it and got to the first mm. ending and I was really confused because I was like, well, What do I do now? Yeah, is that it? And then I like put it away for a bit. Yeah. And then I somehow saw someone playing through it again and I was like, Oh, there's more. Yeah. Like I was a, such a an idiot. Road. Oh no. So then I went through and played it again and yeah, I was like, yeah. oh, Okay, this makes much more sense now. And yeah, <laughs> it is. Oh, hilarious. They're making a well, not a sequel, but... A similar. Similar sort oh, of one, I think, with uh, the publishers and developers. Oh, hell. I can't remember what it's called, but it Bad. looks Ooh, quite good. That sounds like fun. So um, mm-hmm. my second one yep. is, of course, Pokemon as well. Yep. Love Pokemon. Favorite, Emerald. Oh, so the okay. third generation. It's I didn't a good choice. I like Emerald. Yeah, it was, like you said, my first one I, mm. I ever played. I must have been five or six. Yeah. Don't, I think I beat it. As a seven or six, really? seven six. Euro, I, never, I never beat it. Which I was very. Com- you've never beat him, any? I have now, but I, I never. One, I never. I never um, finished it when yeah. I was younger. I think for me it was just that it was just so comfy. That's mm. what I like about yeah. that game. It, the music in that mm. uh, Emerald in the Hoan region in general is insane. Uh, I don't agree with IGN. There's not too much water in uh, Hoenn. <laughs> it's a big complaint. It's oh. just the whole series in general for me. It's very nostalgic. Mm. That's one of the reasons why me and lots of other people still love Pokemon. The newer games haven't been as successful in terms yeah. of people's opinions because it's not developing as fast as they'd want it to. It's kind of stagnated a bit. Mm-hmm. I enjoyed Sword and Shield. Yeah, I'm, re-
0: I'm really enjoying you're it. You're still
1: playing it, I'm aren't you? I'm loving it.
0: Yeah, 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 I'm probably about yeah. halfway done. I'm really enjoying it.
1: Because, yeah, I played... I got it on release, finished <laughs> it within yeah, five, cool. six days. It definitely
0: isn't very hard. But no, that's the, the
1: thing. People grew up with Pokemon yeah. and thought it was harder than it was when in reality yeah, exactly. it was always this is that tough. Really? And it's cause it's not just made for hardcore players. Yeah. I think one of the key complaints, which I agree with, they could add like a difficulty setting yeah, into it. Yeah, of course. So if they made a mode to play it in hard, where the levels are hard the scaled, yeah. the um the sort of gym leaders or the trainers actually use moves which make yeah, sense I'll, I'll have a good pattern yeah because i think yeah. the one thing which really confused me in it is you use any super effective hit on any gym leader or main yeah. character in pokemon sword and shield they will say wow you're an amazing trainer exactly like, yeah i used a move yeah which it literally says to use yeah, on the game it's like exactly, come on a bit yeah i think
0: i generally say when people complain about difficulty in pokemon i i just always say the difficulty in pokemon isn't completing the game it's completing the game with pokemon you like
1: not the ones Yeah, the- lots of people uh, in the competitive world mm. of Pokemon will be like, you need this one and this one and nope. this one in your playthrough. Nope. <laughs> I was part, no, I never used that. No, but I course. was part of a competitive Pokemon yeah, bit yeah, for yeah. a while when I was really into it mm. about uh, when Omega Ruby and Alpha Sapphire yeah, yeah, yeah. came out. But no, I'm always for, yep, yeah, use no, the Pokemon yeah. you want, yep. use the fun ones. I. Ended a uh, Pokemon Sword Shield using a Morpeko. It's such oh, a weak Pokemon, but yeah. it's so but it's, cute. Yeah. It's adorable. My, me and my Surfetched. are going oh, all the Sir way. Fetch'd, yes. Okay,
0: next up, number one.
1: The final one. Are you going first? <laughs>
0: I'll go first. Go on. Mine's quite obvious. It's, I've already put it said like it. three times. It's Smash Bros, specifically Ultimate. It's a great game. I played so much Brawl as a kid... Um, on the Wii with the Wii controller I didn't know what I was doing none of us knew how to block <laughs> we were just running
1: about everyone was playing Kirby <laughs> Ike loved Kirby who's my main yeah
0: I was a Kirby Kirby and I really liked Ike Those are my two who's your main now in Ultimate. Um, mine. oh, see mine's mixing up a bit it's, it's I've got three characters I like the most I probably have two I'd say it's King K. Rule and Pac-Man
1: mine was yeah mine was King K. Rule. yeah and then Young Link a bit. Young Link is very good. Yeah. Young Link can get some pretty hype. It's a, it's and I a, also like Piranha Yeah, it's a really good game. I'm not as good at fighting games as I want to be, which yeah. is why I don't play as much anymore, because I suck at mm-hmm. them. See, I've always been bad at fighting games, but Smash yeah. is just
0: so accessible to me. I don't know what it is. I just feel it's, it.
1: It's a mm. really good game. It's really fun. Mm. Um, I think when the DLC characters are announced, it's such a good time for the Nintendo tomorrow. community. Oh, It's tomorrow. Oh, it is, isn't I it? I It's tomorrow. I'm really confused why they're doing it just as a separate event rather yeah. than a Nintendo Direct. They need a Direct. We've I not had know. one since yeah. September. I don't know. I want to know what that holiday game is, please. I'm excited. Breath of the Wild 2 announced, please. Oh, Breath of the Wild. Which oh, is a good segue into my favourite game. Oh, a radio Look professional. That. Look at that, which is... Breath of the Wild, oh. the best game hands down I've ever played. Fantastic it's such a choice. boring choice, though. Like, <laughs> but it's it's, it's such like a good saying one. your favorite film's The Godfather. It's a, <laughs> it's such a boring yeah, yeah, choice yeah. because everyone says it, mm. and you get the oh wow. But then you play because it, and you, realize, you play it, and you realize yeah. that it's just it is what an open world should mm-hmm. be because you play like any standard open world game like Assassin's Creed. It's say it's open world, but in reality, it's go to this checkpoint. Yeah. Go to here, go to there, yeah, do this. No do that. It's like, well, it's not it's an open world, but you follow a line that the developers have set for you. Yeah. You're on your own rail with, tracks through an open world. Yeah, with Breath of the Wild, if you play it in the pro mode, which is you have the the hood off. Wow. You have nothing like yeah. on the screen essentially apart from you. You just go into the open world, you complete the tutorial area, and you just go out and you have one mission. Well, one mission of two parts. Destroy Ganon and save Hyrule. That is the mission. There's four areas to go to. It doesn't tell you where they are. It doesn't say to go to this one first or this one first. It's there. And it's like I literally was like, what do I do? Mm. I started walking, ended up at one of them. And you just get sidetracked so easily by how amazingly detailed it is. There's the climbing mechanics are so good, the fighting mechanics. Um, And it's just, it's one of these games as well where it's open world in terms of you can literally go straight out of a tutorial area, march up to the Kyrill Castle and try and defeat Ganon. That's why... In speedruns, people actually will do it in, like, 15, 20 minutes because yeah. they will go, complete the tutorial area, go straight into the castle, yeah. defeat Ganon. Unbelievable. It's just insane.
0: Uh, it's, it is a truly incredible. If player.
1: anyone here has not played and has a Switch, I would, cannot recommend it enough. It is amazing. Even just like the cooking mechanics. I enjoy cooking so Cooking mechanics much. are
0: great. I haven't played that much of it yet, but my no. God, I love just making all my little, trying to see what I could do. Oh, I Some, it
1: so it's just one of those games where you can play and hours will go mm. by. I've somehow put over 150 hours wow. into that game. Amazing. Don't know how. Yeah. <laughs> I, I might play again now. Oh, We're going to have to. Anyway.
0: Uh, this has been a fantastic episode, Ollie. I have really enjoyed it. Thank you so much for being no my problem. first guest. I really enjoyed this. Um, if you want to uh, listen to this, it will be put on YouTube for, for Future. Also, for, for com for articles and the like. <laughs> Oli, do you have anything you want to plug?
1: Um, Go read the ball. Go read the ball. Go read, read the ball. go
0: read the ball games, definitely. Um, read Oli's um, Switch reviews. He, uh, he, oh, yes. he reviews games that will be coming out very soon. And also a great article, which I'm not going to spoil. But read it. It's very good. Um, Thanks so much for listening. This is our final song, The Big Moon. Wait, no. Barcelona by The Big Moon. Thank you very much. (laughs)
3: Dining experience at the brand new Canopy Karaoke,
1: pub grub and lager on tap at the Dirty Duck Salad and sarnies to go in the bread Ooh. oven Or a latte link up at Curiosity
3: There's something to suit any taste and any budget
1: And if you've got a big
0: night ahead of the Copper Room Start it right at tea bar With speciality cocktails <laughs> Best stock prices And our expertly stocked bar overlooking the piazza At Warwick SU Outlets There's something to satisfy every taste Hello and welcome back to episode nine of the Dutiful Future show. What an exciting time we live in. Today I have, surprisingly, a new guest. And this guest is Anna
4: Donoghue. Hi everyone, I'm Anna Donoghue. I am a second year PACE student and I'm here today talking to you about oh. dating and politics yes. and fast fashion.
0: Skipped right over my little my little intro that I wrote. Oh, I'm what a shame. I'm really sorry, It's please. already It's already falling apart. I have
4: ruined everything. No, I, wrote,
0: I tried to write a joke on the bus this morning but I don't think it was very good because we're talking about dating and politics so sort of the issues of, um, political issues around when you're in dating and these sort of things. Mm-hmm. And I think it was something like, um uh oh, oh yeah, it was something like um so. Like me, you know, many of us have a love of politics. But what happens with love and politics? I like th-
4: that. That is you. impeccable. It's smooth, isn't it? Do you know what? I think Ima- I've I've ruined everything already. Imagine
0: now. Imagine if you hadn't interrupted me. I could have just done that. I mean, intro. we can
4: st- we can start again.
0: I d- you know what? um We're gonna go to a song now. And I'm start, <laughs> no. no. Thanks for coming on, Anna. So we're doing Dating and Politics for the first uh, first large second. At the end, we're doing uh, Fast Fashion. Mm-hmm. Um, the main reason that we're covering these two topics is because Anna has written two fantastic articles for the Boar on these things. Um, if you want to read them, please do. Uh, just go onto the Boar's website and search Anna Donahue. Donahue is spelt weirdly. It is uh, D-O-N-O-G-H-U-E. Indeed. So read those if you want to follow along what we're talking about. Um, so, Anna, what, what do you... Uh, Describe as the as the issue with dating politics. Why is this something that you felt you needed to bring up in an article?
4: So uh, I wrote this article quite a while ago, actually, last year. And um, it was something that was pitched. And I was like um, really interested in getting into starting to write articles. And I saw this and I was like... Yeah, that is a bit of me. Don't know why. I just thought it was really interesting. Mm-hmm. Um the issue that I definitely saw prevalent was um I the more the more and more I was reading about it, the more I was seeing that people were like sacrificing chemistry um for the sake of really really minor disputes um mm-hmm. in like political standings mm-hmm. basically.
0: So the issue could put, could be described as you know people starting to value their I guess a political alignment with a potential partner rather than actually you know, enjoying their company.
4: Definitely. Um, yeah.
0: In your article you cited uh OKCupid's okay numbers in a in a um as a survey, which basically said that political terms and dating profiles has increased 64% since uh since 2016. Um this obviously due to the US election. Yeah. Um I was so and I was thinking about this and um uh not to not to um expose myself to my mum and probably my nan, but um <laughs> I, I have used Tinder before. And there is a large amount of very political profiles. Mm-hmm, um, yep. I've seen a lot of humorous ones. I'm sure you've seen some as well. Definitely, not expose yeah. you in front of um, potentially anyone you know.
4: No, it's honestly fine.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, no, so, like there's, this. I mean, the classic one is um, if you lean right, swipe left, things like that. Yeah, seen that.
4: Um,
0: so, would you say that this is this is a increasingly common thing, specifically for people around our age, or is this something which um, is more of this is going through you know all of society, or is this, is this Um, I probably should put it as is this a society wide thing or is this more of a like almost like a grassroots movement in terms of people who are just coming into the dating scene
4: I think I might be completely wrong about this please feel free to correct me if you think I'm wrong but I think it's definitely something that um, that has become more and more common with young people because I know Mm -hmm. there's the big argument that like around the period of, like, 2015, 2016, the US presidential election, you know, Brexit, things like that, uh, the youth was definitely becoming quite Mm. increasingly politicised. We saw that with, like, the number of voters um, going up at the time and things like that. Uh, I think the youth also love Tinder. We all love (laughs) Tinder. Big fan. Don't know Mm. how many of us... i I can't use tinder properly i've had no success story according
0: to my my youtube statistics 100 percent of the fan base is on tinder and it it gives me that every week i look on it and i go oh who listens to the show oh they're all on tinder how weird so we have a very specific target audience tonight
4: hello tinder fans hello
0: tinder fans tonight it's on my bio it's where all our listeners come from everyone's here just from from
4: tinder hello tinder (laughs) Um, um yeah no i would say definitely in terms of um in terms of, like, the Tinder bios and things like that, mm-hmm. it's definitely, it, I'd say it's a youth thing. It's probably, like, a youth thing. It's a millennial thing. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying it's exclusive, but it's it's something that young people definitely like. It's in the humour. It's very, mm. like, Twitter-based. Mm. Um, I know I saw, like, um, a thing on Twitter the other day, and it was, like, um, oh, millennials and politics on Twitter, and it would be, like really, like, really serious, like, breaking <laughs> news. Mm. Something in the news about, like, the election in the Mm. US or something and then someone will reply like something about Mariah Carey being a skinny legend (laughs) like that's just the humor Mm. I think it's definitely so
0: you could say that this sort of um prevalence of date of uh politics and dating is always going to be sort of a natural progression considering it's now such a larger part of culture Mm -hmm. you know you 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 put in the sense of you know someone talking about Mariah Carey under a story about you know um, US elections Mm -hmm. um so would you say that uh the main prevalence of politics now as a factor in dating issues is something that's been bred out of politics becoming such more of a factor in people's daily lives,
4: yeah, I think so. I think because it's becoming more like part of popular culture becoming more
0: mm-hmm.
4: more accessible news, you know you've got your normal news you've got your fake news you've got all the <laughs>
0: <laughs> all the all the several types of news all the
4: all the good <laughs> news is um I'd say that's definitely something mm-hmm. that's. Yeah, it's becoming a bit more popular. It's in it's in everyday discussion. It's not mm. politics is not just for politics students. Mm. It's not just for politicians, and it's not just for like boring old people. Mm. <laughs> politics is for everyone now, and I think that's why yeah, now you it's know, just for
0: boring young people. It's
4: for boring young people mm. like ourselves. Like us, yeah, like definitely. Um, I'd say like it's definitely now something that y- you can have like dinner time conversations. When I first got to uni. Everyone was like talking about politics yeah, and yeah. now I don't talk to about politics. Now we just moved off. I learned the hard way. Um, yeah, no, definitely. Mm-hmm. I think it's, yeah, so it makes sense why it's coming up more in dating. So I read, I
0: read an article around this issue and it was basically making the argument that, um, especially in recent years, um, politics has increasingly become more of a personal issue. Mm-hmm. So whether it be, you know, issues like, for example, you know, women's rights, mm-hmm. which is obviously a deeply personal issue to many people. definitely, And since that's become, you know, increasingly more uh, of a political issue that, that's why now it's being more incorporated into dating life. Because when you look back, you know, if you look back in older days when these sort of issues weren't very prevalent, politics surround, was uh, evolved around, um, so revolved around things like you know finance and things that people didn't mm-hmm. really care that much about to their daily lives. But now, it's, since it's so much more personal, that it's something which uh, people almost identify with themselves as their character. Definitely. Would you say that that's, that's part of what is making this a uh, recurring theme within uh, modern dating?
4: Yeah. No, definitely. I think. Yeah, you know they say like the personal is the political. Mm-hmm. That common feminist yeah, term. Um, yeah, of course. So I'd say what what you can definitely see is that there are personal implications now in what we define to be political issues because people might have used to uh, used to have might have voted for a certain party, for example, based on as you said like economic issues like mm-hmm. finance. But now I know you know I've had people say you know. Uh, The reason I wouldn't have voted for Boris Johnson in the election is because of his stance on um, gay people, on women or, you know, something like that, the Conservative Party in particular. And then it will bring up certain phrases Mm -hmm. that people have said. Um, It demonstrates the importance of how we speak and the implications that this has for our for our political stances. Mm -hmm. I definitely think that is something that's becoming more common. I think it's always existed, but it's something that's becoming we're a bit more aware of people's Mm -hmm. views on things like that and it's it's more important to us as a society i think
0: so you know you see like takes on twitter with people saying things like you know oh these kids they care too much about these days you know constantly (laughs) about these sort of things but could you say that um this sort of increased politicization in people's daily lives particularly in dating is um bred out of simply just a natural progression of having more information you know when you have social media nowadays people have access to knowing everything about what is happening mm-hmm. and by knowing these things people can form opinions mm-hmm. which they would obviously end up incorporating into their daily lives
4: yeah i think that definitely plays mm-hmm. a big part in it yeah
0: so we kind of gone over why like people would be, tend to be more political but what would you say or at least what would you try and guess would be the main things which have led to this sort of divide where people are less willing in order to um i guess date or go on dates or even discuss these sort of issues with people and people are, um so what would you say the main things why someone would be um reluctant to date someone of different different political opinions
4: i think um it definitely i've just like lost my train of thought there. <laughs> um yeah no i think like definitely politics is becoming like it it's becoming more accessible and it's it's definitely something that you know, if you if you have an identity shaped upon a certain thing and somebody completely disagrees with you, mm-hmm. um, and political discussions, as we know, can become really, really heated. I mm. mean, when I first got to uni I had, like, you know, two of the boys that I live with now, they're, like, my best friends, um, we had, like, an argument in, like, freshers about <laughs> politics, and I was like, oh my god, I do mm. not agree with you on anything. <laughs> like, um, it mm. can get, like, really, really, really heated, but I think what often gets lost in those sort of conversations is, like, yeah, you might have a different opinion to me, but... Why am I, you know, I don't think I should be excluding myself Mm. from somebody with a different opinion. I think it's really valuable to um, discuss things with people. I think, yeah, the issue is where things can become really heated. We let politics really come between our relationships in that sense. Mm -hmm. I can completely understand um, why people don't want to, for example, date somebody or, or befriend somebody of a different political affiliation, especially if there are like two extremes. But at the same time, I think it can be a little bit. It it can sort of close a lot of doors.
0: Mm-hmm. So would you see this sort of increased, I guess, polarization in a sense um, more bred out of a of an individual um, concept or more of a, um, I guess you could say, collective? So a lot of people talk about the increased, I guess, political polarization as a whole. Um, would you say that this is this um, increased increased divisions across uh, the country and across politics has led into led into people's lives, or is this more of people as individuals sort of ignoring the wider scope of um polarization simply just saying oh i don't i don't agree with this person i don't want to um i guess relate with them in any sense
4: I think it's definitely group polarization. Mm-hmm. Like you know, like what you were saying about the Tinder bio. Like if you yeah. if you lean right, swipe left, whatever. Um, I think that's definitely something um, that's that's a group thing in the sense that in that in that bio specifically. Not to overanalyze someone's Tinder bio because <laughs> oh, it's all I do. Yeah, <laughs> well, <laughs> um, but in in that in that sort of sense, you're grouping the entire right wing into one collective mm-hmm. and excluding every single person from that group that i mean that's fair enough that that is of course somebody's choice but what i'm saying is but you know that is a, that's mm-hmm. a group issue that's not an individual issue it's not like every single person that you meet you discuss politics with them and then you make a decision based upon that conversation or their political leaning in particular to decide whether or not you want to befriend them it it appears more to me like you know you don't you don't agree with me you are completely excluded mm-hmm. before we've even had the conversation um, I think like an important theme of my article is is more so not necessarily like, Oh yeah, like let's all date people we completely disagree with, but mm-hmm. it's like, okay, let's not, you know, yeah. quit before quit while we're mm-hmm not ahead. head yeah. yeah. that was a really bad <laughs>
0: phrase i guess you could just say like if you, you know reading something on paper say like anyone you ever talked to you were given a sheet of paper about like what they believe in their sort of mm-hmm. personalities you wouldn't instantly cross someone off because you had you know a couple of points of disagreement for example yeah definitely so it's about yeah. it's more about tolerance rather than
4: yeah no definitely just say, yeah. yeah
0: um and i guess my question would be could you say that this is perhaps a almost like a trickle down effect from and specifically from the um the right the right versus the left example of you know lean whatever swipe whatever, of sort of discourse in public sec- in the public sphere. So, um, where if if you're if you're looking at right wing media, all left wing people are you know vapid, stupid, and all that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Where you're looking at left wing media, probably quite similar things. All people, all Brexit voters are racist and dumb. Yeah, yeah. So would you say that this sort of public discourse has trickled down to people's daily lives where they think? Anyone in these senses are exactly what these things that I've that I've been told they are. So therefore, like when a left wing person sees someone, you know, someone's bias for some reason said, you know, I'm a Brexit supporter. You would think, oh, that guy's a racist. I'm
4: mm-hmm.
0: out. Um, so it is it is a byproduct of um, public discourse bleeding into daily life.
4: Yeah, certainly. I th- I think as well we're all guilty of it in one way or another because I think what what is really important about public discourse, about the media, about you know, big conversations that are going around is that even even if we try they do they do impact us Mm. i'm guilty of um i'd say i lean particularly Mm. left i'm guilty of having like that instant when somebody says Mm. to me oh yeah like i voted brexit i'm like "Mm mm-hmm for like a second but i think the importance is it's like um i'm trying right i'm gonna try and use like a a phrase right now which can do (laughs) that yeah um no but you know it's like um about perceptions about people Mm -hmm. you might in public discourse and upbringing and all these things will give you an instantaneous perception about Mm -hmm. people and i'd say your initial reaction to something doesn't necessarily define you it's how you then process that reaction so i might somebody might say to me oh yeah like i'm a brexit supporter and my brain will go no no and (laughs) then (laughs) and then i'll go actually no do you know what like Now Mm -hmm. I think about it, this person might have voted Brexit, but that doesn't necessarily mean that I'm going to disagree. They might say to me, oh, yeah, I voted because of this particular reason. Like, you know, my my best friend Tor, we were talking about this the other day. We've got really big, uh, like, we really differ on our political leanings. But I was saying to her and she said to me that I think I can really respect somebody else's opinion if they can explain to me, oh, this is why I voted. Mm -hmm. And it's not something completely Mm -hmm. ridiculous. So I think the important point is, like, public discourse is so influential um, in how we think, but then it's how we use that information and how we process it that can help us Mm -hmm. in the long run.
0: So you could perhaps say that um, when um, someone tells you their political beliefs, if you disagree heavily, like, you know, I'm I'm quite the same, I lean more left, Mm -hmm. a lot of my friends and your friends as well, obviously, are more right leaning. Mm -hmm. And I think I tend to think when we talk about these sort of things, even if I don't agree with them on what exactly it is, we generally agree on what we're trying to do yeah so for example you know um a lot of our right-leaning friends they they think that homelessness is a massive issue mm-hmm. and one of the biggest ones, they just they just see a different route to doing it mm-hmm. and i think okay i think your route's wrong and i'll we'll talk about it but i believe that they are along the same lines
4: definitely Yeah. so
0: you could say that perhaps um what people should be looking for when they want to align their beliefs with someone isn't necessarily policy but more what values does this person hold? definitely
4: i think yeah i think politics and values they might appear to be Quite similar, but they are, in fact, quite different mm. in that sense. So, um, I think you know, you're completely right about what you say mm-hmm. there. Like, it's, it's about looking more deeply into things, which is why I think we shouldn't completely dismiss people based mm-hmm. upon, like, oh, yeah, I'm voting for this person. I agree with this policy.
0: Very interesting. Well, in this first segment, we have definitely established the problem. Indeed. So tune in to the next one to hear the solution <laughs> and also some some funny facts and stats that I've managed to, to collate around what issues people actually care about and vote for. I'm excited. Um, we are now going to go to our first song. Uh, this is Billie Eilish's No Time to Die. Enjoy
4: amazing I should Raw will be celebrating International Women's Day with a week's worth of coverage. We'll be putting the spotlight on female figures in the media, both at the station and in the wider industry. But we also want you to get involved. On Tuesday the 3rd of March, we'll be hosting an audio and visual workshop. For more information, check out our socials. But make sure you stay tuned in for Women's Week on Raw. Tickets, classic films, independent films and the latest rockbusters, experience in film direction, or the chance to join right the Ray Grandpa's and see movies for free, and join Warwick Students in Mother Day at filmsoft.warwick.ac.uk
0: Hello, and welcome back to the segment two. In our first one, we established some problems with uh, dating and politics as an issue. And in this next one, first of all, I have a fun quiz for Anna.
4: I am very excited. So
0: uh, I managed to find a fantastic survey, I think by the Huffington Post, basically where they asked Americans from all across the country and of different ages, what were the main issues and and to what degree would you basically care about if if someone you were trying to go on a date with disagreed with you okay so um the question was simply like so for example um one that's not on this list i'm trying to think a random issue i don't know like do you like this senator for example okay and it was um so if they if if you liked them and they didn't would it be impossible difficult or like fine wouldn't matter
4: okay right so
0: i have the i have a list of the issues in uh politics so you can try and guess some of them. And if you can't, I'll just throw them out. You can sit, try and pick where they are in the order. And uh, I have their numbers on how uh, impossible they were to K- try, and, try and work. impossible.
4: Okay. So what do you is... reckon
0: was number uh, number one? I'm not going to stop on the bottom because the bottom one's really random and you'll never get it. But it's okay. really funny.
4: So this is a complete disclaimer. I am it. not a big US politics Anything. fan. So I am going to be go for it. very bad at this. My I'm tip gonna... is
0: don't go for Brexit. It's probably not Brexit. It's probably not <laughs> it's Brexit. It's probably not Brexit.
4: I'm going to say it's not Brexit. But <laughs> no.
0: do I have a do I have no, a, a a bell sound? I've never tried the sounds before. It's fine. Ding ding! You're right. It's not Brexit. Yes. What else have we got?
4: I'm going to say the top one, and I'm going to be. It's the most obvious one. Probably the 2016 presidential election or, like, whether or not you're Republican that, or Democrat?
0: Um, that actually wasn't on the list, but it probably should huh? have been. It was more specific issues.
4: Oh, okay, right.
0: Um, Can
4: you give me one- I'll give you,
0: one? I'll give you one of the ones that's on the list. So abortion is on the list.
4: I'm going to say that's relatively high up.
0: That was very high, yeah. yeah. But that wasn't... So where do you think that was? And so, so I've got six, one, two, three, four, six things. Where second. do you think abortion was on this list?
4: I think it was second. It was third. It was third. It was, it was actually surprisingly okay.
0: low. It was, it was obviously high, but, like, that's in terms of impossible. It had a large margin of, like, difficult...
4: That was definitely going to yeah. be one of my guesses. Because I
0: think it is a, it's quite a grey area in the United States of like mm-hmm. some people are fine with it happening, but they they it, it, the arguments like where the line should be.
4: Yeah, definitely. So that's yeah. where like a big
0: issue can yeah. come down. Yeah, I so, can see how
4: that kind of yeah. plays into dating. Yeah. What yeah.
0: do you what do you think was number one? Oh
4: god.
2: Um. <laughs>
4: mm, this is really pressure. <laughs> Something to do with like race
0: uh no actually race wasn't on the list surprisingly oh, um number one was lgbt oh, it was, okay was it? Yeah. Right. Um, it did have a little disclaimer which which basically said that it was likely that we had people in the survey who were who were lgbt yeah. so of course it would be their number one oh, of but course. that was that was basically like right up there that was number one okay. with a large portion of impossible um so which kind of makes sense
4: yeah
0: um of course. i think that's quite a reasonable one so number do you reckon number two could be number two is very american It's about as American as you can get for a politics issue. Oh God! Um, What what screams American culture to you? Think of Texas. um,
4: Can do this. Guns.
0: It's guns. It was gun control.
4: Guns. Gun control was number two. I'm really bad at this game. We did it. You said think of Texas, and I was like, Yep,
0: we did it. So number one was LGBT. Number two was gun control. Number three was abortion. Number four, I might have to just tell you. Yeah, go on. Uh, it was climate change.
4: Climate change. Climate change was number four. Okay, yeah. that's really interesting. I think um,
0: it was it was it was quite low to be fair because I think the survey didn't obviously ask every single issue on the planet. Mm-hmm. I think it chose some specific ones, and climate change was kind of low, but like I think it was about twenty percent,
4: roughly, for impossible. Okay.
0: Um, but I guess that. But obviously, that means either side. So it could be a conservative saying, "If you believe in climate change, no way," or the opposite.
4: I'm assuming it's it's more largely the other way. Most likely, <laughs>
0: um, and the last one, which I I could probably give you like the rest of the show to guess, and you wouldn't get it. Okay, so I'm going to tell you: six uh, percent of people in this survey said that um, it would be impossible to date someone if their views differed on government spending. Okay. On government spending.
4: That's really niche.
0: That's very niche. That's really niche. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
4: I, I can see. I can definitely. I see. I
0: can't see. I think. Like, I, I can't
4: see it like on a first date instance. Yeah. But I think maybe further like, down the line. Like,
0: maybe if it was like if you took it, if you took government spending in kind of like a, a general definition of like, oh, I want them to spend money on like Medicare for all, maybe. Yeah, like, maybe. Th- maybe you could believe there, but like six percent, impossible.
4: My question is, have you ever been on a date? And government spending has come up in conversation like a first date oh this is you i'm if it was gonna to, be so if it was gonna be
0: anyone it probably would, it be, would be me you, but i but i don't think so <laughs>
4: and that is demonstrating just how niche
0: <laughs> so it probably is no one i normally stick to like random obscure movies that's my that's my thing well um guess. it works um it doesn't work <laughs> okay. um no, six percent it would be impossible to date someone that have different views on, on, on um on government spending
4: I can, mm, yeah. So I yeah, I, I can can't. see it if it was an umbrella term, yes. But if it was like, yeah, like tell me Cause, your, cause tell I, me your yeah. opinion on government yeah, spending. Yeah. When I hear right government now. spending,
0: I hear like A level economics where it's yeah, like, yeah. if you think that monetary policy is better than fiscal, I swear to God, I will walk out of this That's room. That's
4: it. I'm yeah. not even going to pay the bill. <laughs> <laughs> I'm leaving.
0: I'm going to be fiscally conservative on this bill. <laughs> Bang. That was really good. Funny, funny. Good,
4: good. <laughs> <laughs> round That's, of applause. For um, that.
0: Thank you. Um, I'm sure there's a round of applause sound on there. Um, so that was that was the Huffington Post. Oh, thank you. That was the Huffington Post's um, quiz. That's and I, really I, I audibly laughed in the Pace Common Room when I read 6% of people said that they wouldn't date someone because of government spending.
4: That is so niche. It's I love great.
0: that. Um, so I have other stats as well. Yeah. Um, so out, so between men and women, which do you think have more experienced a ruined date because of political discussion? Women. Uh, that is true, yeah, women. But not by a massive amount. 33% of women said they experienced a date, a ruined date because of politics. And it was like 28% of men. Um, which do you think would be less likely to give, give, their, give the person they were with a second chance? So you've had a bad first women. date. and Actually, no.
4: Really? Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. apparently really? it was very it was like it was 18% to 17%. So it's basically no difference oh, okay. really. But enough. um
4: just about yeah, exactly, difference.
0: like tiny. But um it was it was a quite a, quite a very small amount who would say that if the first date was ruined by political discussion they they would give them a second chance.
4: Is the Wait, it was a small number of people that would give them that a second chance. That would give
0: them a second chance, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah.
4: that's interesting. That oh, is no, really sorry, interesting. Wouldn't,
0: wouldn't, sorry. Wouldn't, I was yeah, going to no, say, yeah, like, that's Yeah, yeah, no, it was only, really only not, a very small, so they wouldn't give them a Not out here chance.
4: giving second chances. Boy. Hey, <laughs>
0: <laughs> in the world of online date, there's so many people.
4: There's so many options. So many, so many, so many
0: dates, so many bad dates to go on.
4: Exactly. Um, well, I wouldn't know. <laughs> <but> <laughs> uh,
0: quick transition. Quick transition. Right, next up, next fun fact. Um... Which of these uh, percentages do you think is more of an issue in the long... So this the question was, do you think that differing political opinions would be an issue in the long run? Okay. Uh, do you think men said that more or women said that more? So which one do you think... Which, which Jenna, uh, do you think cared more about... Um, I think, again, women. it was a long issue. No.
4: Am I wrong? Men. I'm just thinking from my own mindset. That's yeah, why I'm saying men women. Men
0: considerably thought it would be more of an issue in the long run.
4: See I would have thought it would be I'm going to be really traditional here and I would have thought it would be <laughs> women because if you think about like political issues you think about I don't know I'm I'm only speaking from personal experience but like if I really fundamentally agreed with someone on politics mm. I'd be like how are we going to raise the children I've just you realized disagreed. Yeah, I've yeah. just realized yeah sorry disagree no, I've fine. just realized how traditional I yeah. sound? That I'm not, but it is something. The reason I'm saying this is not because I think mm. it's all women. But it's, it's a priority. It's, you it's have, something yeah. that crosses my mind, and yeah, that's yeah, why course. I would think it's women.
0: Um, yeah, no, but generally, I think um, it, I think I think this was also in America to be fair, but okay. men tend to care more. But controversially, um, mm. which do you think? Uh, which one of the the two sexes cared more? Would would avoid dating partners with strong views more? So I think do, mm, men or women would avoid dating. I think
4: men would avoid.
0: Uh, no.
4: I'm really bad know, at this. This is
0: where the, this, was, this is the this is the weird contradiction because despite women thinking it's uh, less of a problem in the mm. long run, um, they 38 f- of women would avoid dating partners with strong opinions, where only a quarter of men would.
2: Okay. Yeah.
0: So the same survey, despite um, one group one group saying, "Oh, I think differing opinions will be more of an issue in the long run," they are less likely to avoid people with strong opinions.
4: That's really interesting.
0: Yeah. Why, why do you reckon that is? Why do you think there's such a discrepancy between these two? These two, these two um, opinions, because I, I I couldn't fathom one, and I mean I tend to just think that like there's actually not that much difference between between the sexes in general, um, so it felt rather it felt rather random to me. That um,
4: is really, and do you know what I can't offer a solution yeah. to that without sounding
0: yeah, because I guess I guess if, like if, I'm making out if, if these were two like um, random groups of just people rather than like um, sexes, I would probably guess like oh maybe the group which said that um, so the group which would say. They have, um, they are more. They think strong opinions are a problem, but wouldn't avoid them much. Would have the strong opinions, right? <laughs> so yeah. They think my strong opinions would be a problem, but I wouldn't necessarily avoid someone who because also has them.
4: That is really strange. It is, it is, it is an odd,
0: it is an odd mm. uh, statistic. There, it's quite I interesting. It's
4: safe to say that if this were a game show in which I had to win money, <laughs> I would have left with. One pound. Yeah. No, see, maybe. see,
0: um, what I didn't tell you is this is this is a, this is a game show, but you don't win money. This is where you you try and save money. You lose money if you get things wrong. Well, so you currently am... You currently owe me twenty five pounds.
4: Okay. Well, You're quite
0: a bit down. Do you want to go double is... or nothing for the last stat?
4: I do. Yes.
0: Um, oh, this is this isn't a gendered one. This is just a straight statistic. If you can get it within, let's say, ten percent,
4: okay,
0: you can save some money back. Yes. Um, what percentage of people said they would only date someone with similar political opinions? I'll give it to you within. Five or ten percent? Five or ten percent, do you reckon? Give me ten percent. You get ten percent. You get ten percent gap. I'm
4: saying 35 percent of people.
0: 35 percent of people said they would only date someone with similar opinions. Yeah. Well, are you excited to hear what the answer is? I'm really
4: excited. You're making me nervous.
0: The percentage of people who would say they would only date someone with similar opinions is 63 percent. Oh, right. I'm poor now. Loads of people. (laughs) That is more huge. than more than half of people in this survey said they would only date someone with similar political opinions.
4: Jeez. Okay. Well, I'm in trouble, mm. with Warwick. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh God, I think we all are. Yeah.
4: Um, <laughs> God. This is, this
0: is Warwick campus for God's sakes. No. So I think I think um, maybe there's a potential issue with like what they defined as similar.
4: Maybe? Yeah.
5: Because
0: I think if you had told me similar it it means like it would mean something different to someone else i mean like because similar could be defined as everything or it could be like oh we kind of care about the same things but like not really yeah But for for over half of people over half
4: people see i find that really um i find that really like strange because for me i'm probably one of the odd people out but i find it really hard to put myself on one day or another somewhere specifically on the political Mm. spectrum i'd say to myself i'm more generally left but on some issues so yeah. so so left and then on some issues yeah. I'm more like centre left you know I'm, I'm like sometimes centre I'm mm-hmm. sometimes probably a bit right wing on some issues mm-hmm. I'm quite broad yeah. and so I find it really strange because if I were looking for someone with similar political opinions to me yeah, they would be a very very niche person <laughs> yeah it's a tough
0: tough position to find
4: yeah definitely
0: um I guess we could we could almost say that the you know the problems we we described in the first segment were more true than we even realised mm-hmm. at this point where at least you realised because <laughs> I, I always I hadn't actually read these stats yet I just wrote them mm-hmm. down um but that um, we actually realized because um, particularly with the issues of like labels and these sort of things where people mm-hmm. identify themselves if sixty three percent of people would only date with similar opinions you know, that, that represents a pretty serious issue um, mm. that's that's over half people who would never who, who would, would not attempt to date someone who disagreed with them oh. in a lot of senses which transfers us greatly into the issue of how if if we need to at all should we solve this problem so first question obviously is obviously reading your article um, you do ascribe it as a big problem so why do you think that there is actually an issue of people refusing to date outside of their own I guess you could say comfort group you know could could you not simply make the point like hey, if i uh, all I want to do is is date people who who like me, I'm just going to do it, you know why is this an issue of people not um broadening their horizons
4: so there was where was the statistic I read um I wrote it in my article, and it was like basically I made the point that. It really shocked me that people were choosing politics over chemistry. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. That
4: was something that I thought was like mad. Um, because I thought the reason the reason I see this as like a as as a big issue is that, you know, my mum's always told me like someone told her, like along the <laughs> line, she never put people in a box, basically, mm. like in the sense that if you're looking for somebody today, if you say before you before you go into things, oh, I want them to, you know, have this, have this, have this like dogs like pasta like I don't know like just really random things Mm -hmm. like I was looking on Bumble the other day and you know you can like put (laughs) on Bumble like the really specific I mean
0: no I don't know what that is you can even put yeah yeah, I use many (laughs)
4: dating websites and I have never been but, um, <laughs> don't, don't, oh,
1: make it, it so much worse.
0: I'm really
4: fussy. this is the issue. I mean, I'm part of the issue. This,
0: this is, this is for you. This is a secret intervention hour. This is, yeah. That's oh, so why I'm getting you to talk about these issues.
4: It's kind of like, you know... <laughs> Maybe so you put people in boxes I'm there. looking at Bumble now.
0: Sorry, please continue. <laughs>
4: I'm looking at, you can put your height. Mm. You can put how often you exercise. Crazy, oh. right? Uh, your star sign, which is important to some people.
0: Oh, what is your star sign? Uh,
4: I'm a Libra. I
0: think I'm an Aquarius.
4: Wow, that is fantastic. Yeah, I'm really glad that we Yeah, what we've, a world. In, impeccable. <laughs> uh, you can put how often you drink and how often you smoke, which I, I think oh, is actually no. really good because... I think that would make sense. Yeah, if you're somebody that doesn't yeah. drink. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, whether or not you have any pets, what pets you have. Mm. Um... What you want to do with your life? You put do political you want, opinion. Do you want kids? Political opinion. Yeah. Exactly. You can put all these things, and like I'm looking at it, and I'm like, yes, okay. Unless somebody is <laughs> yeah, yeah. above six foot, I'm not going to. Fight about it. But then I think, yeah, I'm putting people in a box, mm. and you you miss out yeah. on
0: putting people in a box that's six foot tall. Yeah, they have to be, they have to be taller than the box. It needs to be quite a
4: big box. Yeah. <laughs> no. Um, <laughs> no. Like I just I think is if you if you look specifically at oh I need them to have this characteristic mm-hmm. I need them to have this opinion, you have the potential of missing out on really good chemistry. I know that sounds mm-hmm. a bit dramatic. Yeah, but yeah. I do think chemistry can come with people that you completely disagree with and don't don't get on with them about politics. And don't, you know, mm. most of as I say in my articles, some of the most important people in my life mm. disagree with me on some of the biggest issues. I disagree with like my best friends on some issues. I disagree with my dad on some issues. Like I love my dad. I love my best friends. But, the, you know, disagreements are part of things. I don't think as a result of disagreement, you should exclude somebody mm-hmm. from your life.
0: So you could just simply make the point that um, by limiting yourself to only agreeing with you, like this, that these 63% do, mm. you are just limiting yourself in general to meeting a lot of people who could be very well suited to you.
4: And I think as well, you're limiting yourself from broadening your horizons. Because mm. I think by coming to uni in particular and meeting people with all different opinions and backgrounds and all the rest, I've learned things and I've experienced things and I've seen things that I wouldn't have seen if I'd have just stuck myself in a box. And I think it's the same for them. Like a lot of people have seen, like I've come from a lower socioeconomic mm-hmm. background to a lot of people at uni. They've, you know, my friends have come to my house. They've seen how I've grown up, where I've lived, mm. how I went to school and things like that. And I think it's really good for both sides of the spectrum to experience mm. that.
0: Yeah, so I guess um, the point that I've, I've made to certain people who are like so far one way mm-hmm. is... Especially on the left it's quite it's quite a thing to be quite insular and to not, you know, discuss things with the other side. Mm-hmm. It's to say, well, you're never gonna convince anyone.
4: Definitely. If
0: you are if you stick to these issues. Yeah. You're never gonna reach someone if you are, you know, actively shutting them off. And also you're likely to build up this sort of you know um insular hatred mm-hmm. over someone if you have categorized them in a sense and you, know, you put them in this box and then you say right that's what they are I'm never going to talk to them yeah and then it just get stuck in a sort of recurring cycle um so we establish it as a problem now we sort of uh, uh, so there is much seem to be a problem how do you think people can go around uh, solving this you know what is if someone would describe themselves they've they've they listened to this and they've gone oh that sounds a lot like me you know or, I tend to not talk to people if there's certain things. How do you think someone can start getting over this sort of this sort of hurdle?
4: So we're asking me to give dating advice.
0: Yes, right. well,
4: no, um, so, life sort of. advice. I am a life guru <laughs> or an agony aunt, as they say. Oh. Indeed.
2: Um, what have you got for the people?
4: For the people, I would say, the, the first of all, don't try and convince people to agree with you because that mm-hmm. is where things go wrong. I think one thing I've learned about people over time is, like, you can argue with people, but oh if someone's got views, they have views. Mm-hmm. Like, you're not going to change me. I'm not going to suddenly wake up tomorrow and say, oh, I... I don't think women should have rights. It just doesn't. It doesn't work like that. <laughs>
0: had a really bad morning. Yeah. You know what?
4: <laughs> you know what? I give up on
0: rights. <laughs> I'm done it's, with this. It's, it's just so it's not just, gonna. There's just too many.
4: I think yeah. So I would say definitely. First of all, don't mm-hmm. try and convince people. Second of all, yeah, like don't don't give up on your views either. So don't mm. be like, oh, you know, I really fancy this guy, but yeah. he's he's.
0: I've stopped He loves what I the
4: EDL, and now <laughs> I love the EDL. No wrong that is a bad choice on your behalf Mm -hmm. i mean unless yeah i'm not saying yeah okay anyway um then i would yeah i would say definitely just like try it if you don't like it at least you can say you've tried it you can say anna you're Mm -hmm. wrong don't ever take advice from anna again but like yeah i would say first of all also sometimes just avoid talking about politics with people some Mm -hmm. people you're never going to agree with never going to convince you can still be friends with them you mm-hmm. don't have to marry them and have children with them and raise your children based on political issues but you can meet really interesting people broaden your horizons and just mm-hmm. say yeah okay i don't agree with you but you you're really good at bowling and i love <laughs> bowling i don't know that was really niche
0: you really like bowling huh?
4: no, i was thinking of my friend isha she loves bowling ah, okay. i don't agree with her Dis- I don't disagree with her politically either. We don't talk but politics. But both love bowling. But we went bowling and it was really fun. That's, nice. That's the point. We didn't talk about mm. politics. We just went bowling. Why <laughs> bowling? So good. She's really good.
0: So if someone was going to take your your last piece of advice that we said, you know, you don't have to talk about it all the time, mm-hmm. and apply it specifically to dating, um, could you not see, you know, when we cited the stat earlier, where percentage of people they, they think that it would be a problem in the long run? If um, let's say you went on a date with someone and you were hit off, and you're like, oh, he, this guy is pretty cool. Oh, but he said something that like. Or at least you have some inclination that you disagree pretty strongly on certain political issues and you thought you know what i'm just gonna ignore it it's totally fine could you not see that becoming an issue in the future
4: definitely i don't think it's i don't think it's like oh ignore it ignore it ignore it but i think mm-hmm. don't don't not go on the first date sure do you know what i mean mm-hmm. and then don't like don't say oh you know he said something and i, I really wasn't sure what he was talking about or he was here mm. or, or whatever um said something i'm really not sure about it you can ask them don't argue with them be like oh yeah. like what's your opinion on this or whatever but i'm i'm saying basically at the first hurdle don't mm-hmm. don't dismiss it sure. like the whole thing with the tinder bios and with mm. with things yeah. like that but
0: before you've even spoken before to someone, you've even met them because it could difficult. be like
4: oh yeah i really disagree with you on that but every other aspect of our personalities are compatible mm. we get on really well and you're great So I guess we're just going to have to figure that out because, you know, if you really like someone, you do just figure things out. It's like, Mm -hmm. you know, somebody might like be vegetarian and you're not vegetarian. (laughs) Mm. You're not going to be like, oh, my God. Yeah, never mind. (laughs) We can't have kids. Yeah. What are we going to cook for Mm -hmm. dinner? Do you know what I mean? Like, (laughs) yeah, of course. You don't let things like that get in the way. Mm.
0: So would you say that um, for someone who'd be quite far gone on one end and with someone who's kind of thought that like the person who who their buyer was, you know, if you're this, swipe, swipe left or whatever, mm. um, do you think that um, it'd be better to just like sort of dive head first and go, oh, I'm texting the head of the Tory society, let's do it. Or do you think it should be a more gradual process of, okay, I need to start being more open and like sort of respectful about these issues and then sort of, you know, like you said, almost just light it up in a sense, you know?
4: Yeah, I'd say I'd say definitely, like, there are some issues that I think for some people are completely off off boundaries, and I said that in my article, and I, I understand that completely. Mm. There are some things that are just off the table, yeah. won't work, whatever. But if there are, like, minor political mm-hmm. disputes, just, just give yeah. it a go. Mm. Just see how it goes. And yeah. if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. But mm. at least you can say that you, you haven't missed an opportunity mm-hmm. or missed an opportunity for chemistry with a particular individual because of perceptions about people mm. you might learn something new
0: and perhaps you know the, probably the best advice is just uh, at least um, from my limited experience as well would just be you know lighten up about
4: d- d- like politics. find stuff you yeah. actually like
0: no yeah. one likes politics yeah talk about films yeah. even I love I love politics and I hate politics yeah oh, no I'm the same it's awful yeah. I love it but I, it's awful it's I love worst. it as a subject
4: yeah. I hate talking politics with people oh, it just I, gets oh, too much I like it I like yeah it. I mean he depends what talking, talking, yeah. talking to depends and it depends where the situation's going, mm. but I, I I often feel like I don't like having to like prove my point, especially yeah, like in yeah. a politics environment, like in the Pace mm. Corman room where everyone everyone's knows about on politics it and,
0: and really wants to talk,
4: and everyone can be like, shut up! I read this statistic, and I'll be like, oh, I was just saying mm. that I like this person's hair.
0: Like, <laughs> 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 I was just thinking, that's nice hair, right? Yeah,
4: <laughs> like it's it's one of those she things. She wears
0: that... nice pantsuits. I'm a fan. Do you
4: know what she she does have her like, pantsuits? They're, aren't they're that bad really, really good. good. I, I
0: despise her fundamentally, but she has nice pantsuits. Do
4: you know what? Exactly. We've just made an Agreement yeah, there based yeah. upon something. Yeah. Quick note, I saw a photo of a
0: young Hillary Clinton the other day.
4: Mm. Not bad.
0: Okay. Looked a bit like Carrie Fisher. Well,
4: you could have had uh, some chemistry with her back <sighs> in the day.
0: Or oh, done so, would have done so many war crimes. So, oh, many. so many war crimes. Um, oh dear. Well, so what would be your 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 final your final message your your send off for the for the people you know the the, new, the newly found motivated people to to date out of their sphere and say you know what I'm going to try it. What would be the one thing that you would say? All right, here's what you got to do.
4: Um, I would say, just do it. Just do
0: it. <laughs> just, <laughs> like just do it. Uh,
4: just do it. If you if you like someone, if you're interested in them, mm. give it a go. It's the same with your friends. Same with your family. Like, don't. And sometimes as well, yeah. Like, just don't bother arguing with mm-hmm. people because it's not going to work. But yeah. yeah, don't try and convince people of other things. If anyone wants to argue with me, you know, take me on a date. We'll...
0: <laughs> <laughs> Buy me a couple drinks.
4: <laughs> and we'll, we'll argue. It will be like dating yeah. and politics in action.
0: And then you can do it whilst listening to this podcast. Whilst you, can, this... you can argue yeah. with this podcast on in the background.
4: Yeah, exactly. And go,
0: think... oh, look at us. Look at us doing, what, doing my advice from earlier.
4: Exactly. Perfect. Well, then. Precisely.
0: Unfortunately, this, this fantastic discussion around dating and politics has overrun over our, our supposed next segment. Um, Goodness. It's just such a fascinating topic. Um, (laughs) So we have... Let's go two minutes. I'm going to ask you one question about fast fashion. Okay, go. Um, Fast fashion. uh, um, I have some stats. 80 billion new pieces of clothing every year. The average UK shopper uh, uses only 70% of their wardrobe and they have about 70 kilograms of textile waste annually. What can be done? What should we do?
4: Uh, Use different resources. I'm talking really fast. It's fine. Keep going. Okay. Use different resources for buying and selling stop buying things new because mm-hmm. um, i'm not saying like you know i don't have a lot of money i'm not saying like i only shop at sustainable fashion brands that are more expensive but you've got mm-hmm. charity shops you've got buy a sewing machine yeah. i've got one there. great vintage stores uh, vintage stores mm-hmm. like depop if you like high-end things vestia collective vestia collective that's it <laughs> fantastic great like so it depends what you're into there's definitely options mm-hmm. Donate your clothes, recycle your clothes. Shops like Zara, you can mm. you can um, return items of clothing. Um, if you're interested in supporting the environment, it's an easy thing to do. I've stopped buying new clothes this mm-hmm. year, unless absolutely necessary. Had to buy tights.
0: Oh, uh, see, I, I had a question. That. I was going to say, you said in your article, you're. Uh... You're giving up fast. Fast twenty twenty. My first question was, have you? I have. Do you know
4: what? I've actually been really <laughs> oh, successful. Well the only things I bought are like you know the necess- necessities like socks. Yeah, like, yeah. That I'm that probably not going to buy something. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah, I've actually been really good. I've like redesigned some oh, new good. clothes. I've <laughs> really? I bought like oh, what, a the sewing th- machine? Yeah, so that's great. Yeah, it's I'm um, really bad at it, but it's it's a fun hobby. You know, makes me sound like an old lady, but <laughs> I'm a big fan. So,
0: what would you say are the main like the most mainstream places that should be avoided if this is something that you want to start taking like as a priority in your life?
4: Uh, what are the main
0: like high street stores or websites that should be? Maybe not buy from this place because these are the bad ones in particular. Well,
4: I mean, I think the good thing about a lot of shops is they're becoming a lot more sustainable. Mm -hmm. So I'd say like Boohoo, for example, I can order a top. You know, I said I can order a top for like three pounds and it's at my door the next day. Mm. That is fast fashion in its highest form. But they've even introduced a sustainable collection. So I think Mm -hmm. not necessarily avoiding places, but first of all, like pushing for the big brands to Mm. say, you need to make a change. But... Um, yeah, at the same time, I would say like there are often options in places like H&M, uh, mm. like online shops where you can buy sustainable options. Mm. It's changing. It is getting mm. better. So you could
0: say that you know the best way to sort of push these, these corporations or companies into being more green about how they produce clothes mm. is to, um, I can't remember what the, what the phrase is now. It's something, it's basically uh, along the lines of like, you know, talk with your wallet in terms yeah. of... Um, Choose the by, green by, by not buying these, eventually they will realise, oh, we've got to sort mm. of act out, which is actually changing because when I Googled this, I was expecting like loads of stats on, you know, why it's so terrible and why mm-hmm. everything's falling apart. But there was actually quite, quite a few good ones saying it's actually getting, this is one of the, one of the sectors where green um, like issues and uh, I guess concepts are actually getting pushed quite strongly.
4: Yeah. And it's mm. one of the highest contributors to carbon emissions in the world. Okay. So, you know, if you can see that it is getting better, mm-hmm. that's a good thing. Basically. Okay. Um, so, yeah, just just, just keep going. Yeah, I'm sure. not saying you have right. to, but...
0: Mm. Anna, thank you so much for coming on.
4: Thank you for having this me here. This has
0: been very fun. Yeah. Uh, everyone go follow Anna on uh, Twitter, at Anna Donoghue. Uh, Donoghue is spelled D-O-N-O-G-H-U-E.
4: Five. Uh,
0: follow her on Twitter for more... Oh, and five. There is a five. I actually wrote that down. There is a five There's at a the end. There's a five. Don't forget, don't forget the five.
4: Yeah, I'm go blonde. Follow on Twitter. Uh, and I think my header is a picture of the business school that I took when there was a nice sunset.
0: Perfect. Um, Fantastic. Follow me on Twitter, at Smiley one Follow the, uh, follow the show on Twitter, Duke for Future, that's it. Uh, we are now on YouTube, uh, iTunes, and Spotify, so if you ever want to listen to this in any other form, please check that out. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. Uh, we're going to go to our last song and add. This is uh, Glass Animals with the title Your Love, brackets deja vu. Amazing. Uh, enjoy. <laughs>
4: Raw Breakfast, the feel-good way to start your day. This is Breakfast Radio for work students, by work students. Playing the feel-good hits and brightening up your morning. Plus, we have the best gaps, games and giveaways to freshen up your stagecoach commute. Listen to Raw Breakfast, every day from 8am.
3: Tell you goodbye And I could take a Xanax to try and manage the panic But I'll probably end up wondering why I'm afraid of waking up to someone breaking in And taking every little thing that I love Now the monsters from my bed and the monsters in my head Are friends, I guess that's just a part of growing up Don't waste your time Telling me it's gonna be fine Cause even if you were right But still have one thing on my mind I'll always be afraid of losing you I will I'll always be afraid of losing you I will I don't wanna have to figure out How I'm gonna learn to live without There's nothing in the world that I can do I'll always be afraid of losing you I could But if I could die before you Then you best believe I would And I know it sounds dramatic And you might not understand it But I don't think that I could stand the pain Didn't answer when I called you And I thought what if I lost you And that feeling never really went away I'll always be afraid of losing you I will I'll always be afraid losing you